Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome back in. It is hour number two here, the early line on the grid, sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez as we continue to dissect uh, the uh, the NFL draft here, and it's uh, it's been crazy too. Not only uh, during the draft, of course, but uh, even some trades and some signings and things yeah. that happened after the draft. We'll get you uh, caught up with here. But the theme that uh, Dane and I have gone with here, certainly in the uh, first round, we've we've covered through the top quarter of the first round here, right? When you get one through fifteen, the idea that uh, when a CD Lamb can drop to number seventeen to Dallas, you. You don't expect him to be there. You go get it. Um, Judy with Denver, so on and so forth. The idea that some teams, uh, certainly in the top half of that very chalky opening round there in the first round, opening picks there for teams, teams are telling us what their identity is. They know who they are, and they're drafting accordingly, which was great. There was a lot of movement, Dan, as we started to move down in the first round of the draft. Um, of course, we will talk about some of the uh, trades and things that have happened outside of it all. But you, you can't you go down. Right. I mean, Dallas at 17 starts the wow. I can't believe C.D. Lamb was there. And even though they don't need a wide receiver, it seems like I, I get it. Right. Well, that's followed up by, you know, the uh, the Miami uh, Dolphins at that point going uh, offensive line again, showing you identity that they are going to build around. They take to a. They're going to start now building around two of their offensive line with their second pick in the first round. Um, and then, of course, the Raiders, who took Henry Ruggs to begin with, now they go cornerback, another one of their needs there, right, with uh, with Arnett there. So um, people say this kid is a lot better than he was given credit for anyway. I don't hate the pick. Um, I don't hate the, the Jags also going defense with Chase on there at the edge rusher. Love what they did there. Uh, Jalen Rieger, a lot of people with Philadelphia were like very underrated guys. Some people thought, Dane, quite honestly, on a lot of draft boards, they had this kid as one of the better wide receivers who's getting absolutely no love um, at a TCU because it was TCU. Um, then Justin Jefferson, LSU, goes to Minnesota, who moves up to get him. We love that, right? We thought Jefferson, too, was another one of those top four wide receivers going to be drafted. Uh, the Chargers move up to get Kenneth Murray, uh, you know, linebacker there that they obviously loved out of Oklahoma. We talked a lot about him. We figured, I didn't know it, he would go to the Chargers. Chargers moved up to go get him, which I thought was interesting enough to do it. We thought he'd be a first-round talent, but we weren't yeah. sure if he'd end up going off the board, in fact, in the first round. Arnett, Chason, Rieger, Jefferson, Murray, a little bit of jockeying for position to get there. But when we're looking at that, like, you know, 18 to 23, 24, not a whole lot of surprises, I would say. No. I thought the Arnett pick was a little bit baffling. I mm. honestly did. Like, and for the Raiders, and this is why for me, I'm a little bit down on them because with the Rugs pick and with the Arnett pick, right. I understand the positions of needs for this team. But they go Rugs when Lamb and Judy were still there, they go Arnett. I pick 19 when a number of cornerbacks who at least, you know, quote unquote, conventional wisdom right. had above Arnett. And Arnett is more of a kind of physical come up and support the run cornerback as yes. well. So if that's what you want. And remember, they drafted Jonathan Abraham last year in the 20s. The safety who ultimately got hurt in the preseason was all over hard knocks being like a big time hitter. Maybe that's what they're going for. So listen, if your board was different than mine, we got years to see how it plays right, out. Exactly. Right. But the Raiders in both of those picks went with guys where I just would have gone somewhere differently. I would have wound up with say, you know, I would have wound up with like, you know, Fulton from LSU and Lamb as my, in those two picks potentially. They wind up with Rugs and Arnett. That was a, something of a surprise for me as it related to Kenneth Murray, Joe. We knew that Murray and Patrick Queen were going to be the two other linebackers, right? right. We all about Isaiah Simmons. Murray and Queen were the other two sideline to sideline, playmaking linebackers. And we did think 
that a number of teams were in the market for that. Uh, New Orleans, Baltimore, and the Chargers were in the market for that, Joe. We talked about this. I mentioned them potentially wanting to go Simmons if they didn't think right. Herb was the guy. We talked about the need there at that level of the defense to be a playmaker. They just got it at 23 instead of at six. So I'm comfortable with most of the picks there. A lot of people had uh, Jefferson over Rieger, right, in terms of the wide receivers. Right. But they trust their board. And if that's the kind of wide receiver exactly. you want, yep. who am I to judge, right? Those things will play out. So I do think that part of the draft uh, went according to positional need right. until, Joe, we got to number 26. Yeah, well, it started to get a little uh, freaky there. But, um, you know, Justin Jefferson and Minnesota, I thought, also had a good draft going up to get him. I like um, he's a, listen, he's, he's not Stefan Diggs, but they don't need him to be that. He's, um, he's certainly not going to bitch and moan like Stefan Diggs did. Um, I thought also he'd be a little bit closer, maybe in that top 20, but at right. 22, great pick um, for the yeah. uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Good. Murray, uh, I thought uh, Ruiz, of course, out of Michigan, the center there. I, I thought that was awesome for the Saints doing exactly what they should be doing, getting a little bit younger on that offensive line. You got an old man now uh, in there, good player. Uh, somebody that's going to solidify that offensive line, certainly in the future, no matter who's behind uh, center or behind him at that point. I didn't mind that. You mentioned Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Uh, Herm Edwards loved this kid and certainly gave his stamp of approval. Going to be a great fit uh, for the 49ers. And then you had number 26 show up. Yep. And um, I, I, yeah, listen, <laughs> When the name was, was called on it, the, the gasping um, that was happening, not only here on, on Sports Grid, uh, you know, with our, with our George Kurtz, our buddy George Kurtz was on uh, at the time there. And it was a lot of people were scrambling for like, wait, I did not see this. Like we thought Jordan Love might go at the end of the front, but we thought somebody would move up late to get him. Uh, but the fact that Green Bay went up and got him, especially coming off of a uh, an offseason here where just the last couple of months, uh, Aaron Rodgers also made the determination that, hey, you know, I want to play through my 40s as well, like, you know, like Breeze and like, uh, uh, like Tom Brady, which is all fine and dandy. But I think, and I know there's been a lot of people trying to justify this pick as um, it's, it's not a threat to, uh, you know, to Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers is not going to play forever. And, and, and I get all that. I absolutely get all that. But the simple fact that they chose not to grab a weapon to help Aaron Rodgers in the near future and that they essentially spent a first-round pick on somebody they think in a couple of years is right. going to replace him, then I think the only way to come away with this, the only thing to look at this is that it tells you every – I said it last year, Dane. We said it a whole lot. If you guys think that's the same old, same old Aaron Rodgers, you're out of your mind. He's 36 years old, 37 years old. Guys, he's a half a second slower on everything. Whether you want to believe it or you don't want to believe it, if it wasn't for their ridiculously easy schedule, never played four quarters last year, allowed teams in when they shouldn't have been allowed in, defense is making adjustments for Aaron Rodgers because he's not the same old Aaron Rodgers. The writing is on the wall. It was certainly on the wall last year from a betting perspective, and it tells you right now that the organization's seeing the same damn thing. You only go and get Jordan Love at number 26 because you think Aaron Rodgers is a hell of a lot closer to the end than being reborn. And that's okay to me. That's the part of this business nobody wants to talk about. I give Green Bay kudos for having the balls enough in this spot to go do it because the message is loud and clear. Aaron Rodgers has got another year two at best in Green Bay before this turns into Jordan Love's, uh, Jordan Love's team. So I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Joe. Mm -hmm. right? Like, I agree that it is smart team construction to get the heir apparent early rather than late. Yep. I agree with that. You know, the similar thing, like the Tennessee Titans drafted a running back <laughs> in the second or third round after they franchised Derrick Henry. They know how that page will be turned, right? right? Yep. I, I get that. I, I subscribe to that. I agree with you on that, Joe. I also agree with the fact that 
you know, there is some regression happening in Aaron Rodgers' game. You talk about the half a step slow and where it's playing out. I'm not here to dispute that either, Joe. Here's where I spin it differently, okay? 85% of Aaron Rodgers is still a pretty elite quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, for the most part. They still got to the NFC Championship game, right? Your window as the Green Bay Pack, your championship window mm-hmm. is, dep- call it whatever you want, Joe, like whatever the regression is for Aaron Rodgers, call it another year, call it another two, when he's still technically in a prime or technically at a Pro Bowl level, right? Regression be damned. If that's the case, and they were one of the final four teams in the NFL still playing last year, Joe, if that is the case, I think you need to approach it in a more short-term way than the succession planning way that the Green Bay Packers went. I think it's a valid approach. I do. But when you are so close and you have the obvious need at the wide receiver position, they even let Geronimo Allison sign in Detroit, Joe. Okay? like So Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Lazard, whoever it is, because your team is so close, mm-hmm. I think the more prudent decision in team construction would have been to fill the more immediate need. I understand <laughs> the idea of mm-hmm. getting the, the heir apparent. Trust me, I do. But not when you're so close and you just could have the cherry on top. Uh, so that was it for me. And to be quite honest, Joe, the Green Bay Packers also did this in their second round pick of A.J. Dillon. Why are you getting a running back when Aaron Jones is a pro bowler, when Jamal Williams is a valid, you know, change of pace, and you have that again, to me, the fact that if they are that close, why not go with the position of need unless you're saying that you're not actually that close and we need to figure out our medium and long-term plan. Like if this was, you know, mm-hmm. some middling 8-8 eight and eight team, I get it even more. But the fact that they were in the NFC Championship game makes me think they should approach this in a more short-term value. And that short-term value is tied to your Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So. Again, this this all there's the only one reason this this happens. Number one is somebody in that organization loves Jordan Love and what his potential is, right? And I got news for you. This does this is the perfect spot for a kid like Jordan Love who needs he's gonna be able to sit behind one of the game's greatest man. And yes. when I tell you great for Jordan Love, but what they are telling you right now is that A, and you said it, Dane, they ain't as close as everyone thinks they are. They were very fortunate last year, scheduling aside and a couple of other games that could have went the other way. A lot of things fell right for Green Bay. But ultimately, in the end, they weren't ever going to be good enough to be able to compete. So what they're telling you is, guys, we ain't that close. I could go out and get another wide receiver right now. Aaron Rodgers, and while while it's true, 85% of an Aaron Rodgers in his prime is better than a 100%. What they're telling you is that Cliff, and we know it, guys, we've seen it before. This is... If it wasn't for Brady superseding Belichick, Jimmy Garoppolo would be a, been the quarterback for them already, and they wouldn't be in this spot. What Green Bay is doing is telling you that this cliff, it, it ain't gradual, guys. It's going to come. It's going to come quicker than and later. And they're there right now. And they don't want to be. They would rather get rid of Aaron Rodgers, and I do think Aaron Rodgers is a guy that will play into his 40s. It ain't going to be in Green Bay. They're telling you that. A year early as opposed to a year late, they're not going to get into that. They've got their guy now. And in many aspects for the next five years, they basically, if this kid turns out to be who they think he'll be, learning behind Aaron Rodgers, and I'm sure Aaron Rodgers ain't going to go out of his way, but he doesn't need to. Favre didn't go out of his way for him. In, In three to four years from now, we might look back on that pick and say, yeah, it sucked for the immediate future. But you got a new head coach there. You got a new regime that's looking at this and going, guys, Aaron Rodgers ain't fitting what we're trying to do here in another year or so. We got to go get the kid we think can be the future of this organization. And we got to do it now. Uh, they're not so, as close as everyone else thinks they are, Dane. And, and here's the thing. I agree with you, Joe. This is great for Jordan Love. Oh, yes. Okay, because Jordan Love, what have we heard about him? All the arm talent can make these crazy dynamic plays off schedule. 
Well, that's prime Aaron Rodgers, right? So who else to learn from if Aaron Rodgers wants to be a mentor, that is? And that's a whole nother question, right? right? And he doesn't even need just sitting there on the sidelines now being able to learn decision-making. Absolutely. Great. The thing for me, and we've said it, Joe, you know, like, you're right. It is the prudent decision. You know, what we will never know, though, Joe, you know, for example, like, let's fast forward eight years, right? Mm-hmm. If in these next eight years, uh, they don't win again under Aaron Rodgers, right? right? And Jordan Love takes them to wherever. That's like exhibit A, right? The other part that we don't know is what would have happened with Green Bay if they went out and drafted T. Higgins. Then, right. 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 And if it would have equaled a Green Bay Super Bowl in 2021. We will never have access to that information, right? right? So we'll see what Jordan Love does, and he may be an incredible heir apparent. The Packers may get Pro Bowl quarterback play for a span of 25, 30 years because of this. Maybe. But if the ultimate outcome is to get championships, and whether however close you think they are not, they were in the NFC Championship game last year, right? Yes. They were one step away, right? And so the question is, it almost seems like the Packers are folding three of a kind, you know? And, and if they want to do that because they think they're going to get better cards down the road in the tournament, fine. But it's just mixed messages on some level. What are we saying about Aaron Rodgers? What are we saying about the 2020 Green Bay Packers? And what are we saying about now versus the future? It's a very interesting, complex dynamic. And they've certainly made their calculation that the time was now. And listen, I, like I said, I, I give them kudos for having the uh, the nerve to pull the trigger and do what's best for the organization. When you have a legend, it never ends well. Breakups never end up well. And no matter what happens this year, uh, the clock is ticking as well on us. It is clicking. It is ticking on Aaron Rodgers. But we got more on this, plus another head-scratching move by another team with another yep. quarterback. We'll talk about that. Next here on The Early Line, it is The Grid. It is sportsgrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. You've been in a lot of mock drafts. They've got McKinney, who is the best safety, I think, uh, on top of everyone's list. Uh, Last year alone, guys, he had 95 tackles, three sacks, four forced fumbles, three interceptions. He returned one for a touchdown, 85 yards. He is, without a doubt, the best safety in this class. There is some question if whether or not he is first-round talent, and if he is, he's going to be in the bottom in the half, or is he going to be top of day number two? The Sports Grid Network. All right, welcome back in. Here it is, the early line on the grid, sportsgrid.com. As uh, Dane Martinez and myself uh, try to recover from what was a uh, crazy, crazy 72 hours there. It all began uh, Thursday night as uh, we broadcasted to you live that first round of the NFL draft. That rolled over into Friday night, of course, still covering rounds two and three. And then uh, Dane and I had the opportunity to kind of hang out this weekend and talk about and try to come up with, let it all settle in and be like, all right, so what do we got? Now that everything is all said and done, the draft ended Saturday night. Mr. Irrelevant was picked. The Giants got him. I couldn't even tell you who it is because he's irrelevant. Uh, But the bottom line is that, you know, over the last 24 hours, trying to take a step back and look at all of this and try to figure out some of the winners and losers and some of the thoughts uh, just by the first round alone, uh, giving us an idea of where teams are heading. And we just talked about, of course, the Jordan Love pick with Green Bay. And, you know, you got one side that are trying to tell you that it's, you know, don't look too much into it. It's not this or it's not that. And 
You've got the other ones that are, you know, the other side of the Packer Nation going, this is absurd. This is what do we do? And really, I think the, the pick does one thing and one thing only. It, it tells you, as a Packer fan, exactly what the organization thinks that's of right. Aaron Rodgers. And that's it. The breakup is not going to be pretty. It tells you what they think of Aaron Rodgers. It tells you what they think of this team in the immediate future. And also, right. it tells you what they think about Jordan Love. Somebody in that organization loves this kid and thinks, much like, guys, rewind, 2005, okay? Aaron Rodgers on the board come number 31. Was he not? They had a legend in Brett Favre there. Why are you drafting a first-round Aaron Rodgers? Like, what in the hell are you doing? We've got Brett Favre. Well, guys, it's happening all over again. What they're telling you, like they were telling you then, is Brett ain't going to play forever. And, oh, by the way, the signs, the writing, it's on the wall. So, so another point about this, though. Yeah, Because I, I hear what you're saying, okay? Then riddle me this, Joe. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they use their second-round pick, their third-round pick, their fifth-round pick, any of their sixth-round picks on a weapon outside that they still need? I, like, still a need. I think they like some of the guys they have on the staff. I do. I think they must think in their yeah. mind, that with Devontae Adams, right, I mean, they've got who they need, right, as a number one. They just went and got a tight end. I They, they picked a they tight did. end. Yeah. They, they, they also drafted, you know, I think two or three offensive linemen, guys, so they added some depth on there. Now, the biggest problem with Green Bay is why didn't you address the defense? Like, your defense is what let you down. Why are you not building up that defense again? And while wide receivers would be nice, I think they probably feel between Funches and Adams and some other guys they probably have their eye on probably can fill the need when you have a Aaron Rodgers. I also think they ain't going to pay Aaron Jones another contract. And I, and I think having Jamal Williams, and I love A.J. Dillon. I think the guy's going to be an absolute beast of a runner in the NFL. I think an emphasis on the running game more than Aaron Rodgers having to do this, right? I think instead of relying on Aaron Rodgers to get a couple of yards one way or the other, man, if you can have an ass-kicking running game, and Aaron Jones was, let's be realistic here, he's a better receiving quarterback than he is necessarily a guy that I'm going to hand the ball off to, Dane, and want to grab a couple of yards. So I don't hate it. Is it conventional? Well, it's conventional because in that room, They've got a plan for the immediate future. They, they know the talent on that team better than anybody. Somebody thinks Aaron Rodgers is closer to the end than closer to, you know, a rebirth or this guy in his 40s. Uh, they also don't want to have to probably come to the point, and I don't know what his contract is or when it's coming up, but at some point, Aaron Rodgers could be, you know, ah, I think we're going to need to renegotiate. We're going to have – they're avoiding all of that, and they're picking towards the future. I don't think A.J. Dillon hurts the running game for them at all. I don't. I, I think it's not a bad – he wasn't going to be there in the third round, I can tell you that. Yeah, I don't think it hurts them, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same idea of team construction, Joe. We've, talked, right. we've spent entire hours talking about this, right? Like right. some of these running backs that are about to come up. We had a whole segment on right. it, right? Joe Mixon mm -hmm. or Josh Jacobs or Saquon, when they come up, are they kind of above the line or below the line? to make that second contract right. investment. I completely understand that. I will say that Aaron Jones led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last yes. year. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's got some level of productivity. And I, I, get, I get the approach. Right. I really do. All I'm saying is that it sends mixed signals about where you think you are for the 2020 Packers. Because if you're, if you're that close, then don't you just try to push through the finish line? And I understand sure. if you're further away that you turn the page. Right. And it just seems like a mixed message, a mixed signals, right? When the performance shows that they're close, the books show them as one of the leading contenders or favorites to win their division, yes. contend in the conference, mm -hmm. and you are behaving as though you have one eye on the future in a little bit more of a way than it may warrant if, you believe you are that close. So I'm just trying to figure out what they're actually telling the world. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because I think Aaron Jones is, is – he signed last year. I believe he signed a four-year. Okay. He, he got a $2 million signing bonus, and oh, he got Jamal, guaranteed yeah. $2 million. So Jamal Williams is in his last year of the deal. Yeah, Jamal I, Williams maybe right. done. Jamal Williams also. I, I think that basically Aaron Jones, if he has another style, another type of year, right, he's going to command – 
yeah. huge money. And Green Bay is basically like, we ain't, yeah, we ain't doing that. You know, even he's going to be 26. By the time he's 27, he's going to want big money, I'm sure. And they're just kind of, I get it. It's never a popular thing uh, to look at this and go, oh, my word. Why don't we just wait till next year's draft? But if you like guys, if you really, really like guys and they're in front of you, I think I think Green Bay, as well as a few other teams, are telling us everything that we need to know about what they think of the team. And even when you go back down towards the rest of them, I mean, that was number 26, right, Green Bay. Um, yep. Jordan Brooks, the, uh, the linebacker out of Texas Tech, this is Seattle to a T. Um, they end up drafting guys right around here from programs like this that everyone's like, oh, I don't know if he was great. Then it turns out to be Bruce Irving. Like, it just, they do this crap all the time. So I give them the benefit of the doubt if they really like this kid out of Texas Tech. Patrick Queen, Baltimore. Everybody loved Patrick Queen. Baltimore loves him. It's a good fix. Going offensive line for, um, I love that too, since they lost uh, Conklin, I believe, yeah. there with Tennessee. I thought the, the kid was perfect. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name from Noah. Auburn, from Miami. Noah. Yeah, go ahead. Love this kid. I, you know, it's interesting what Miami's doing. Miami is building a secondary, yeah. guys, that is going to be second to none. That's exactly, they are going to have one specific unit on that defense that's going to be heads and tails by everyone else. And they're, they're making it, of course, the, uh, uh, the secondary. I'm okay with that. You had Minnesota come back in, go get a cornerback, which was a need for them. Love that pick for them, too, as well. Gladney at a TCU. And then you had the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And there was a lot of questions, Dane, about, all right, what have they got to do? Essentially, they kind of had the first pick of the second round, right? Would they go linebacker, which was a position of need for them? Uh, they don't have that kind of hard-hitting Part not yet. Anyway, they didn't hear. They eventually got him in, in gay, and we'll talk about that coming up. Uh, but what were they going to do with this pick at number 32, which is essentially to pick at a litter? What, would you go get an offensive lineman? Would you go get maybe a cornerback, uh, somebody yeah. in the secondary? And what they went with, which is what we thought they would do, was they went running back. It was a total luxury pick for Andy Reid in Kansas City. Do they need a running back? No. Uh, did we think it was going to be Hilaire? No, we thought it would be Swift if it was going to be anybody. Uh, but they end up going with uh, Edwards Hilaire out of LSU, who happens to be the exact perfect type of running back, a la LaShawn McCoy, uh, that Andy Reid loves and that will fit in. This kid's going to catch 50 balls out of the backfield next year. He's going to be a huge part of that offense. And you plug and play, if I'm Hilaire, I'm having... You're about to enter with one of the greatest quarterbacks of a generation with a coach and a team who will utilize you to the umpteenth uh, ability. I think it's great for the kid. And I love the pick for, for Kansas City because it does just an, it just gives you more to worry about, especially what his skill set is, which yeah. is great. He, he, it's a young LaShawn McCoy is what he is. I hear you, Joe. And, and listen, I personally... I thought they were going to go maybe in a different LSU direction. Mm -hmm. I thought they were going to go into secondary. We yeah. talked about our friend of the show, Lorenzo Neal, his nephew, Grant Delpit. Yep. Um, at the safety position, I thought that could have been a way they go, the linebacker or the secondary. They get Willie Gay Jr. in the second round. They address the, the safety need, yep. getting need in the fourth round. Yes. Here's why I'm mad, Joe. And I acknowledge it's a completely selfish thing. <laughs> Who'd you have? No, no. I love Clyde <laughs> Edwards-Hilaire. Right. I love him. And going into this draft, he was going to be a guy that I was going to be excited to draft in fantasy football next year in, like, PPR formats. And I thought that I was going to get a steal. Okay, because I knew what Edward Hilaire could bring to the table, especially out of the backfield. I was hoping, you know, I was hoping he'd be, like, the fourth running back selected as he was projected to do so, right? Because in that scenario, Joe, he's like a third-round pick on some team. Yep. And the casual fan ain't running to pick him in fantasy football next year, you know? Now, he's in the situation with Kansas City. He's a first, the only first-round running back. Now he's going to be like a public play, Joe. You know what I mean? I was excited that Edward Hilaire yep. was going to be like a sharp play for me in the fantasy football season coming up. And now he's going to be chalky as all get-out. certainly is. 
in the PPR world, you know? And by the way, you talk about Shady McCoy. I'll do you one step, two steps further. Mm-hmm. The one I've been talking about, my comp for him, even going into this, was Darren Sproles. Yeah. Okay. Low to the ground, shifty, great out of the pass game. But did you hear who Andy Reid compared him to over the weekend, Joe? He said he is a better version of Brian Westbrook. Oh, there you go. And in Philly playing this role. And listen, they bring in DeAndre Washington. They bring in Elijah McGuire. They have Darwin Thompson. Damian Williams is the hero of the Super Bowl. And they just add to this in a way like the rich get richer and kind of proving some teams go at it with the workhorse running back. Other teams are going at it with quantity mm-hmm. or quality. There is a lot of teams that added to a committee where they're almost like a third or fourth running back, a la New England, a la what San Francisco was successful with. That's another one of my kind of takeaways. There's a number of teams, Joe, that are we're adding like a third back to the committee. Yep. Um, higher up, too. You know, Indianapolis did it with Jonathan Taylor. They already have Mack and Hines. That's you know, correct. we talked about A.J. Dillon with Green Bay. They already had two backs. J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore. Mm. You know, there's others. You know, like the Chargers take that kid Kelly from UCLA. They already have. So that was another takeaway from me. Yep. But I'm mad, not because I don't think it's going to be good from the Chiefs, but it made this play that I thought I was going to be sharp on. I thought I was going to be all there taking the fourth, fifth running back off the board, a fourth round pick and drafting him on my fantasy football team. Yep. And now everyone's going to be on him, Joe. <laughs> well, you can, yeah, absolutely. And as well, they should, because the rich just got a little bit, uh, a little bit richer there. Um, I do also think it was interesting because when we start round two, yeah. um, you know, Cincinnati again was at the top of the board. And I don't think enough can be said about the job that they did in the order that they ended up picking and how they went about building and rebuilding this uh, this franchise. I mean, the one thing I can now assure you is at some point here over the next week or so, Andy Dalton will be available in some capacity for another team. Uh, but not only going and getting Joe Burrow at number one, but then following it up with getting T. Higgins in the top of round two. Uh, and then the rest of their draft where they went linebacker with the kid out of Wyoming, I think it was. Um, yeah, they went offensive lot. I mean, they really did a great job of putting together a draft and building around this kid, about building around Joe Burrow and giving him the opportunity. So A.J. Green can now come back, right? He's got a rookie quarterback. He's got a rookie, a rookie wide receiver. What a, If I'm T. Higgins, I get to sit there and I get the trail, you know, like, uh, like his version of Jerry Rice, really. I mean, it's like that kid's generation. You got to be able to have A.J. Green and T. Higgins and a young quarterback uh, and, and the weapons they ended up putting around him with Joe Mixon and others. I Listen, Cincinnati is going to be better than they were last year by far. I don't think there was really any part of the draft. Cincinnati did not hit it and address it the right way, especially as a building program. I thought they did. Nobody's really talking about it because, again, they kind of take it for granted. But I thought Burrow, obviously, no-brainer. T. Higgins at the top of round two, no-brainer. you got to give the kid weapons, and voila, he gave him a pretty good one there, first-round talent at the beginning of the second round. Sure. I mean, I disagree with one part of that, Joe, and it's the fact that they never really got an offensive lineman. They don't draft an offensive lineman until the sixth round. Right. Okay, so for me, the T. Higgins pick, again, he's there staring at you. You want to get a... uh, a weapon for Joe Burrow. I get that. They do have Tyler Boyd as another wide receiver opposite A.J. Green already. Mm-hmm. They do get the linebackers in the third round and in the fourth round addressing that level. I'm cool with that. But, Joe, they had 40 – Bengals quarterbacks were sacked 48 times last year. Mm-hmm. Okay? And with that need, I don't care if you're Joe Burrow. I don't care if you're Lamar Jackson. I don't care if you are, you know, God. Okay? If you are – If you're just going to be running for your life the entire time, it hampers the development of a rookie quarterback. I would have liked to see them address the offensive line Mm -hmm. that I don't really think they did, Joe. They didn't do that until they get the Kansas tackle at the top of round six. And I believe in round two, yeah, Higgins was there, but, you know, there were still quality O-linemen still there. Ezra Cleveland, Josh Jones, among others. I would have liked them to see them go offensive line a little bit earlier than they did if they want to, you know, 
protect Joe Burrow and have his career have a chance. Well, it's obvious that they like the young offensive line. I mean, they, they spent the top pick last year in Cincinnati on the offensive line. The kid didn't get to play because he was hurt there. Um, and I, Jonah Williams was that. And that kid was a absolute beast, too. But they've got a very young offensive line. They must like them. Uh, obviously, if they can stay healthy this year. But they needed, we know they needed help on defense. Um, yeah. They, We know yeah. that. And they did edge rushing, linebacking. They did certainly enough to be able to give a Zach Taylor now, second year as a head coach. You got a rookie quarterback. Oh, yeah. You gave him a couple of weapons now to be able to uh, unify. If that offensive line is as good as they think it's going to be, then a running sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com all right welcome back in last segment here of the early line on this monday dane martinez i'm joe ranieri welcome into sportsgrid.com as we uh, made it through round one. Some of the highlights there of uh, what we witnessed and uh, what we have now that you had a couple of days, of course, to be able to uh, step away here, Dane, and, and look at it, get some perspective on the draft and really who won it, who didn't win it. But understanding how it started out chalky, of course, and understanding the level of talent uh, that we are talking about in this this year's draft where guys even on day two and day three Still a lot of value on that board, and teams took advantage of it. Uh, so it was exciting. And, and of course, not a whole lot of surprises outside of Jordan Love in the first round. Uh, and not a whole lot of complaining because, quite honestly, the guys that went the first 32, we really anticipated them to go. There wasn't a third-round talent that went in the first. These were all guys that we kind of thought they would be somewhere after the first round. But then we started getting into round two, and the names off of the board, Dane, were just, um, again, T. Higgins to the Bengals. He's going to be the heir apparent 6'4 wide receiver with your rookie quarterback who can learn from A.J. Green. Congratulations. Michael Pittman Jr., maybe the um, also the perfect complement to T.Y. Hilton in uh, Indianapolis. We, they didn't have a first-round pick, so we kind of heard from them. Uh, plays to his size. Another guy, 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", somewhere in that ballpark mm-hmm. at a USC. Love it. Absolutely love it. Another big target for now. I got to get used to saying this. Phillip Rivers uh, in Indianapolis. And then, of course, it ended uh, in pick number 32 with a running back with Hilaire to San Francisco. Here's DeAndre Swift. We kind of thought we'd hear his name uh, somewhere. It wasn't going to be much after round two that we were going to hear it. And Detroit didn't let him... Uh, uh, didn't let him fall. Detroit goes with him. And he's also the thing about Swift is a lot of people say maybe one of the best all-purpose backs there is because of his ability to catch the passes out of the backfield, uh, which is something Detroit and uh, Matt Stafford have certainly going to need. It's interesting. He, to them, I guess, was the best running back on the board at the time. It was a need that they wanted to address. I don't know that I would have addressed it with that pick, but Right. You, you can't go wrong with Xavier McKinney if you are the Giants um, because that kid, to me, from Bama, a hard-hitting safety, something they needed to address desperately in this draft. Offensive line with the first pick, uh, one of the best safeties in the draft with the second pick at number, uh, what was it, number 36. I think the Giants did very well uh, with that pick as well. So, so far, outside of Swift in the top half of the second round, Nothing crazy that shocked me. No, uh, not crazy. I already told you I don't know if I would have prioritized wide receiver this early for Cincinnati. With the T. Higgins pick, I might have gone offensive line. You bring up an interesting point with the DeAndre Swift pick, Joe. And um, you're going to hear me. I'm going to be talking about this for the next few months, Joe, as it relates to fantasy football, okay? Mm -hmm. There used to be a term in fantasy, the RBBC, the running back by committee. Yes. And to me, Joe, the committee, it used to be two in a committee, right? the thunder and lightning idea, your early down, your pass. I think it's three now, Joe. Mm. I think I think a committee is now three. It's not an RBBC. It's an RBB three nowadays. And I think we just talked about it with Green Bay and A.J. Dillon, okay? Indianapolis, I mentioned, who early in the second round, they draft yeah. Jonathan Taylor. 
the second run running back off the board yep. when they have already a timeshare in Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. And yep. so for me, the DeAndre Swift pick, listen, they have Kerryon Johnson there. They have a number of other running backs that they like that play a role, yet they still thought adding to the committee, adding a third or a fourth be. second is still like the kind of bang for your buck at that level for the Detroit Lions. Yep. That's me. You're going to hear me say this a lot, especially because it clouds it going into fantasy so much, Joe. Yes. You know, think about how, like, you don't know which running back from the Patriots is going to be. I think more and more teams are going in that direction. We saw San Francisco, you know, in years past with their committee. We talk about it with the Kansas City Chiefs now, how they have this quantity. This is another headline for me of the draft. The teams that went running back mm -hmm. were not the teams like Miami, let's say, who we thought needed a lead running back. It were teams that took this talent to add to their committee. Right. And Miami went it about it a completely different way. I kind of like the way Miami did it. We all thought we had Craig Michon. He thought Swift was the pick for them at number 26. He said, if not, they're definitely going to go running back in round two. They didn't, mm -hmm. right? They instead were like, let's go the cheap route. I'll spend my fifth round pick and I'll bring in Matt Breida. I like that approach. Um, it's just interesting. They did it even for their first running back. Yep. Other teams are drafting people for their second, third, and fourth running back. The, the, the size of the committees are growing in the NFL, Joe. Yep. So the Swift pick, the Higgins pick, but and again, Indianapolis taking Jonathan Taylor is evidence of that at the top end of round one. But Indianapolis, another team getting playmakers for their new veteran yep. win now quarterback Philip Rivers. Yep. I, I listen, I, I thought I, I thought Jonathan Taylor was one of the better running backs uh in it. I think he'll eventually prove it to be. I'm not sure. Some people thought he was the best running back in the class, but uh, not sure that Indianapolis, I don't think a lot of people saw him going to Indy uh, in, in order to be doing it. But I, again, like, if, if you have two running backs, weapons, like, weapons, weapons, exactly. Weapons, weapons, weapons. You need to get him. And if you think he's the best running back, uh, you don't let him slip. I mean, it's, it's that simple. You can always find room for the best of anything. Uh, the Patriots, what a shock. They went ahead and, uh, and, <laughs> You know, traded out of the first round. What a shot there. They went with uh, Duger, I believe, the hard-hitting safety uh, that they got. Also, you know, I think Patrick Chung kind of situation there. Uh, they needed to address, obviously, the secondary. They did a lot of addressing on the defense for the first couple of picks. Then yeah. they eventually started getting value later on in the draft with the offensive line. Miami, you had mentioned it. Instead of running back in round two, they go offensive lineman with Robert Hunt. Yep. Build that offensive line. You got your new quarterback. I'm not sure when he'll play, uh, but it'll be interesting. Lavishka Chenault, I thought, out of Colorado to uh, uh, to Jacksonville. Didn't hate that pick, obviously. The more wet. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Jacksonville when it comes to the quarterback. I know they're behind Gardner Minshew, but I don't know if that means that Cam Newton uh, could make his way to Jacksonville. A lot of people still seem to think that that is a possibility. Um, we should also mention, too, of course, the big uh, story, Dane, on Sunday was uh, Jameis Winston to uh, or at least trying to work something out with the Saints. Taysom Hill signs an extension for the Saints. Uh, and we talked about it all uh, all month long. What's going to happen with some of these free agents still out on the market like Jameis, like Cam and like Andy Dalton, if they do let him go? And that's still to be determined. I don't think he'll be there. I think he'll be made available. Uh, but it looks like the only person left is Cam Newton. LaVisca Chenault, young wide receiver, a kid that is athletic as, as all heck, uh, a lot of yards after the catch. I, would it make sense for the Jacksonville Jaguars to even call Cam Newton? Because they they're trying to get rid of a running back in Leonard Fournette that had the nerve to actually bring that up. Yeah, they're also trying to get rid of Yannick Ngakwe. And <laughs> we see how that back and forth has gone with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, listen, the Chenault pick, I don't mind. Right. Again, we talk about the style of player that you are. You mentioned it. He's that yak receiver. He could go maybe yeah. in the slot. Remember, they already have DJ Chark on the outside. They already have some of the more taller, lankier wide receivers. The T. Higgins mold, yep. they already have. So I like that they did that. When it comes to Jacksonville, Joe, I I think that their quarterback of the future right. is Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah, uh, that could I, be. Yep. I, you know, I don't think Cam is out there, right? Mm -hmm. and you mentioned Jameis Winston. We, it sounds like he's finalizing a deal with New Orleans. I yep. think it's interesting then what the role is for Taysom Hill. We've talked about this. You don't sign Taysom Hill to no. be the QB2 no. because then he can't do ends arounds and block punts and be the dynamic weapon that he is. So it makes sense that they still want a backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. And Jameis, you know, that could be a great little uh, learning ground for Jameis Winston, yep. the same way it was for Teddy Bridgewater. But as it relates to Cam, you know, the musical chairs game is happening and there are not that many open seats left, Joe. Yep. You know, the draft filled a couple of them. Justin Herbert's now in one. Joe Burrow's now in one. Tua Tagovailoa is now in one, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, New England could still be a place, but they're trying to make you believe that they're into Jared Stidham. And Jacksonville mm -hmm. is really the other place, in my opinion. So will they, being the Jaguars, go get a quarterback? Or are they tanking for Trevor? Yes. I think they're tanking for Trevor, Joe. That's the big question. Is are they putting on a good front? I mean, listen, I I don't hate their draft. I mean, you, you, I it, there's not a lot not to like about the players that they went out and got, but Henderson, Chase on, even Chanel. I like their draft. Yep. As yep. we know, Joe, you win and lose in this sport at the quarterback position. Okay. And yep. if you're going at it with a six-round pick whose name is not Tom Brady, <laughs> then you are like, we're talking about what it signals, right? With yep. what is Green Bay saying with their pick? I think what Jacksonville is saying with their lack of a pick, right? That listen, we're going to run out the mustache. It's going to be a nice story, but we're okay going two and 14 because then that means we're going to develop around Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. Yep. You got to, um, it, it's funny, as, as a lot of running backs off the board in the second yeah. round. Cam Akers uh, went, we told sure. you about Jonathan Taylor and, of course, Swift. And uh, there were a lot more than people thought. Uh, J.K. Dobbins ended up going to Baltimore and other. Uh, interesting fit there. Cam Akers with the Rams, who um, also very interesting move as far as that goes. Another uh, committee. Yeah. Committee. Exactly it's correct. Been already in there. You have Malcolm Brown, yep. who you like, but then you added a third. I'm telling you, the committee is three or more these days, That's Joe. That's the way it's doing. It's going to be whoever's got the hot hand. They all do a little something Five. different. Yep, which is interesting. But, of course, the story of the second round uh, was maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, who made the decision with their second-round pick uh, to go ahead and take a, a backup quarterback, at least we think, with Jalen Hurts. Now, we all thought Jalen Hurts would certainly hear his name uh, during the draft, but certainly thought it was going to be usually in rounds three and up. Uh, at least that's what the, uh, the prop bets had said. But uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, much like the Green Bay Packers, Yep. Uh, with that number two pick, uh, went ahead and um, said, yeah, okay, we like, uh, we didn't uh, think Hurts was going to be here, and it was just too good to pass up. So Jalen Hurts is a heck of a lot more like that new wave of uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, like a uh, Lamar Jackson, ask those types of things, guys that are freak athletes that can do a lot, including deliver the ball with accuracy. But maybe the most part is that um, yeah, he's healthy, um, and he won't miss a whole lot of games. But any which way you slice this, uh, it is another indictment to me with this pick on what the Philadelphia Eagles organization thinks about Carson Wentz. While Carson Wentz, you just gave all the money to, is the starting quarterback, but Carson Wentz has also proven since day one in Philadelphia, he can't stay on the field. And the only real reason they've got themselves a trophy here over the last couple of years is from a backup quarterback, and somebody likes Hurts. I don't hate. I don't hate the pick. The question is, do you like it in the second round? If you're Philadelphia, talk about win now. Um, what that sends a big, loud, clear message to me to Carson Wentz and company. So I'm with you, Joe. But I think the message is a little bit smaller, a little bit mm -hmm. less loud, right? And it is in Green Bay, and here's why. Okay, one. What did our friend Herm Edwards say? The greatest ability is availability. And we know that has been an issue for Carson Wentz. The Philadelphia Eagles, yeah, backup quarterback, won them a Super Bowl. Last year, Joe, their 42-year-old backup quarterback almost won them a playoff game, Joe. Yep. I feel like they are damn close. 
And that is with not only their cornerback being down, but the wide receivers all being down. And on a similar level, Joe, I thought wide receiver was more a position of need for Philly, like I thought wide receiver was a position of need for Green Bay. But Philly comprehensively did address the position, Joe. Yes. They draft Rager in round one. That's right. They get Hightower in round five. They get Watkins in round six. They trade for Marquise Goodwin from the San Francisco 49ers with, I believe, like a fifth-round pick. So they brought in competition at that position group in a way Green Bay never did. So at least I trust that they had their eyes on the right needs overall. Right. The I other thing is Jordan Love is a strict mm. backup quarterback. Right. Okay? We know that. We know that. For Jalen Hurts and Philly, you mentioned Taysom Hill. You mentioned the kind of new wave of quarterback. I trust Peterson, right? right? And I believe that in the red zone or in a package or with the Philly special or whatever it is, Jalen Hurts will see the field this year, even if Carson Wentz is healthy. Maybe in the red zone, maybe on third downs, maybe something special, right? So I think it's less of a message, but it is still interesting that they decided to spend their second-round pick on what some people could believe as an heir apparent when you just paid Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is, what, 25, 26 years old? Yep. And so it is puzzling, but not as puzzling as Green Bay for me because, A, they did address the wide receiver position, and, B, they can still utilize Jalen Hurts in a way that isn't that severe threat to QB1. Yeah, I, um, I I don't hate the pick because the one thing that has always been constant with Carson Wentz is his uh, knack of getting hurt in some way, shape, or form. And the thing that Philadelphia has had to rely way too much on is backup quarterback. So if that's the case and you want to protect yourself and you've got somebody you really, really like, and the whole thing about Jalen Hurts is his demeanor, um, his athletic ability, and his accuracy throwing the ball make the right decision – more than anything else, uh, Philadelphia, This uh, we in a couple of years, we could look back on this and talk about how Jalen Hurts uh, might have been the steal of the draft. Certainly the first quarterback outside of, you know, uh, Tua and uh, Herbert to go off the board. Not a lot of people had that. But listen, it, it's Monday. We're just starting to dive into uh, putting all of this together here. We got much more to get to. Uh, Buffalo, the Jets, uh, even the Giants, all these teams with first-year head coaches. How did they all do? We'll dive into it all week long here coming up on the early line. And hopefully we'll have more direction, Dane, this week as to when and where we might be able to get some sports back. So on behalf of Dane Martinez, I'm Joe Ranieri. It is the early line. Come back and join us again tomorrow here first thing in the morning on The Grid. It is sportsgrid.com. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.